hello and welcome back. You're listening to another incredible episode of Inside Soccer with your host, Bill Peterson. Inside Soccer brings you the soccer fan, expert analysis and opinion on the critical issues facing the game today. Bill will also bring you guests that have incredible stories and historical perspectives on the game. With soccer experience spanning 20 years, the Rolodex is open to bring you the voices and opinions you want. Sit back and wherever you are in the world, enjoy today's episode. Welcome, soccer fans from around the globe. Welcome to Soccer Insider, where we try to bring you the best conversations about the topics that matter and a little bit of history about your favorite sport each episode. We're blessed today, and I'm so excited to have our guest. He's one of the originals. He has uh, created Soccer by Ives. He has a Twitter account, a Facebook account with uh, more followers than some teams and leagues, actually. So uh, if you're not following him at SBI or one of his other accounts, you should probably ask yourself why. He's, uh, he's recognized around the world for his expertise in the sport, has been doing this a long time, and fits in exactly with what we're trying to do here uh, find people who have been on the ground level and in the trenches and, and asking the tough questions and uh, has, has played a critical role in the development of the game uh, here in this country. Ivis, welcome to Soccer Insider. Hey, Bill. How you doing? Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, well, it, truly, it's a real pleasure, and uh, we're really excited to have you here. Uh, I've got way too many questions for 30 minutes, so it won't be rapid fire, but it will be uh, a little bit faster paced than maybe a, a campfire, uh, camp uh, fireside chat or whatever, but uh, I know you're you're up for the task here, and what's really important is that we just get inside your head for our fans, our listeners, What's going on in the world of, of soccer? How do you see it? What have you seen in the past? And, uh, you know, we'll have, we'll have a good time with it. So uh, first and foremost, uh, let me ask this question. How and why have you ended up where you are today? Uh, as far as covering the game? As far yes. As, uh, yep. Yeah, it's uh, – well, the how is a, is a pretty, uh, pretty old story, I uh, – uh, I'm obviously from New Jersey, and uh, as we, as as most people know, New Jersey is a big soccer hotbed. Uh, and I just happen to be lucky enough to uh, work for a small paper in New Jersey that that let me cover the game um, early on. And uh, so I started covering MLS uh, back in 1999, American soccer, and, and just kind of getting in on that that early ground floor and having that platform. Um, I just kind of took it from there and, and being in this market, in the New York market, with everyone that, that came through this market over the years, um, it just kind of was a perfect, perfect storm of uh, of situations that, that, that put me in this position. And, and I've been lucky enough to kind of, you know, take advantage of that and, and build something up over the years. That's fantastic. And so, look, uh, you know, I, I've been on the other side of the table from the press for a long time and, and, and sometimes been critical and, and wrongly so. Uh, but a lot of times I feel like the media, and this is just general, are really serving as mouthpieces for people who, you know, in some pastorals I've had, I would say something, they'd go report it. And I'm like, wow, okay, what if I said the opposite? Would they report that too, you know? And uh, some some of them would, for sure. But, uh, you know, how, how do you approach what the fans are – what role does the fan play in Soccer by Ives and your sort of – uh, oversight of the content and the direction. What are you guys talking about when you're in a room going, hey, look, we need to deliver this for, for, for our fan base. 
what can they expect from you? Well, well, I think what we try to do is is cover is cover the the topics that that we know American American soccer fans care about, and uh, obviously. Uh, there's such a kind of broad spectrum of, of, of different topics. I mean, obviously not all American soccer fans like MLS, not all American soccer fans like European soccer. So there, there's such a, a broad range, not all American soccer fans like women's soccer. So, but there are definitely so many categories and so many different groups and trying to, trying to strike that balance and try to find that balance of, uh, of covering topics that, that can cater to as many of those fans as possible. And, and there's, definitely no one size fits all to it um and it's not easy obviously uh it's gotten tougher and tougher uh just for media uh to to make it work as a business uh just because of you know a a variety of a variety of reasons but you know for me over the years i've always just kind of tried to uh have a sense of what what readers are interested in what they're looking for and, and what isn't out there already. And, and obviously we have way more coverage now. There's way more sites and way more people trying to, to, to be media, trying to be soccer media, uh, way more than when I started. Um, so that that's kind of the new challenge now is to, is to make sure that you have a, that you're providing something that that's, that's unique and that, and that it has some quality to it. You just touched on a number of topics, but, um, you know, one of the things that, that, that strikes me is in this country, especially, you have so many different fan bases. I mean, you have fans of, 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 the, of the domestic game here. You have fans that are only national team fans. You have fans of European soccer, different countries here and there. You have fans of, of, of South American teams. Is that a challenge for you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and the thing is, really, at the end of the day, you can't, there's no way to cover everything, right? There's no way to, to try to try to be an expert on everything. As much as there's some people out there who love to try to, to pretend that, to try to pretend that they, that they cover everything or try to pretend they know about every single aspect of the game. And a lot of times you can see through that stuff. For, for me, uh, you know, over the years, I've, I've really tried to, to hone in on, on the U.S. national team uh, Americans abroad and and obviously MLS. I've been covering MLS for, for more than 20 years now. Um, so for me, those three are, are what I've really tried to focus on. And that doesn't mean I don't care about these other these other other topics. It's it's uh, it's just a matter of time, right? You only have only so much time in the day. And what's interesting for me is that now that we've been in the middle of this kind of this pandemic and everything's kind of been at, at a standstill, I have actually had the opportunity to. To, to cover and work on on some of those other topics that I hadn't covered as much over the years. Uh, I've been working a lot writing on European soccer over the last uh, three or four months and, and, and also with uh, women's soccer. And, and it's interesting. And, and it's, it's definitely, those are things I definitely want to get more into uh, going forward. But that, that's really the challenge is, is, like you say, there's so many different categories and there's so many different fan bases that you can try to, to, to cater to. And I, I feel like the people that, that, that find those niches and that, and that really work hard on those like specific niches are the ones that can provide quality. And I think those, you know, those folks and those outlets that try to do it all end up just not really providing much in the way of quality. Cause you can't, you can't spread yourself out. You can't try to, you know, touch on every single subject that's out there. Cause you, no one just, no one has the resources except for maybe like super large media, you know, companies and not many are investing that kind of money right now. The athletic is it in terms of, major outlets that are putting real serious resources into covering the game in the U.S. So uh, that, that's just, that's really the approach that I've tried to take over the years. 
You know, it's uh, it's an industry that's gone through a lot of change. It's an industry that's become very accessible to pretty much anyone with a telephone or a computer. And uh, you don't know what their expertise may or may not be sometimes. And, and so that must make it tough for a veteran uh, like yourself. And, and I totally agree. I, it's, it's a real challenge to be an expert down one channel, whether it's women's soccer, European soccer, MLS, U.S. national team, whatever it may be. And, and then be able to get the uh, critical mass you need to be successful and actually make money. And the industry itself is, is in tough times. So, uh, you know, uh, back, when, back when I was uh, working and managing teams and different things, I'd get a lot of young people come in and say, hey, look, I want to work in sports. And I would say don't, <laughs> um, <laughs> right, right. You, know, uh, you know, especially, I mean, kids would come with these great educations and you'd say, Look, take that great education, go get yourself a great job, buy yourself some great tickets and enjoy the game. I haven't seen one in years. So, you know, we're down in the basement and we're doing this and we're doing that. We're we're doing everything except actually sitting in a seat watching the event itself while it's happening. And so if you really enjoy sports, you should probably just figure out how you get some tickets or a television and, and watch them. So the question to you in this in this environment of media in general if somebody comes up and asks you that same question, what would you tell them? Somebody said, look, I really want to be uh, a journalist or I really want to be in sports media. Uh, what advice would you give them other than don't? <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's funny you ask that because uh, one thing I've done over the years is, is you know, I've really worked with, with young writers and, and that's when, been one big aspect of, of my site of SBI is, is developing uh, new writers and developing people looking to get into the business. And, and while I don't, I don't, well, I don't come out and say, don't do it. Don't go into the business. Well, one thing I, I do, there's one uh, piece of advice um, I've been giving for years and I still give is that if you're going to do it, if you're going to, jump in and try to, to get into this business, do it by being part of something, do it by joining a, an organization or, or joining a site or joining, <clears throat> joining people who can actually teach you because what it comes down to is right now you're seeing so many people jump in and try to start their own things. And, and, you know, you, you can respect it from a entrepreneur, entrepreneurial standpoint, you get it. But at the same time, if you're a young aspiring writer or young aspiring media person young young aspiring podcaster videographer um yet how how are you supposed to learn i mean obviously you can learn by doing but are you necessarily going to get better and i feel like the the people who really have 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 succeeded uh especially in 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 recent years let's say in the past decade are people who 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 made a point to to go somewhere where they could learn from people what they could they could learn and obviously it's not easy finding people who can actually teach you and and i feel like that's something that 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 i'll always kind of take pride in is in how we've been able to to work with and develop and improve writers and and you know when you look across the the landscape right now yeah there are a lot of sbi alumni all over the all over the map but uh, you know one thing i'd say for a lot of these young and and ambitious and hardworking, impressively so hardworking young uh, young people who are jumping into this into this uh, profession or trying to, I'd say to them, like definitely try to find people who can help you uh, get better. And and I don't, I think, I don't think you're seeing enough of that. And and I think that's why now there's this oversaturation of of sites and and people trying to do things. And so and some of them are pretty impressive. I'll say that, that you know you get some people on social media doing some some really interesting things. And 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 there is that generation. Uh, there's an energized generation of young 
people who were interested in trying to create. And that's, and that's great. It's great to see, but at the same time, I think taking that energy and combining it with working with people who can help them kind of hone that, I think is the, is the perfect mix. If the, if they are really going to get to a point where they can build that into a career. That is uh, incredible advice. We might have to clip that off and, <laughs> and and have you post it for for some people who uh, who are interested. So, look, we appreciate those thoughts and comments. Let's change direction a little bit. You're listening to Inside Soccer. We are blessed to have SBI and Soccer by Ivan Scholarship with us. He's one of the builders of the sport here in this country. You've had a front row seat to a lot of games and a lot of players and a lot of management, a lot of coaches. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts right now of the uh, number of U.S. players that are going abroad to play. Good thing, bad thing. Should more go, less go? How's it affect the game? Just what are your general thoughts about the players first, and then we're going to come back and talk about coaches. Well, I think it's great. I mean, there's, I don't think there's anything bad at all about it. I mean, I think it's uh, it's something that, that, that can only help the sport in this country is it, to have more – uh, to have more Americans going overseas and, and, and taking advantage of, of the development system over there. <clears throat> and, and that's not a knock on, on, this, on, on American soccer. It's just reality. I mean, it, you know, you have uh, players from all over the world that, that make that jump. I mean, you don't, you don't see people in Brazil or Argentina getting upset that their young players are, are going to Europe, right? I mean, that's just, it's just the reality that, that that's the best place to develop. But not everyone has to go there to develop, and that, and that's the thing. It's not a one size fits all. And while I'm definitely, I, I love seeing that. I what I don't like seeing is the idea that that you have to go there. And, and I think there, I think you've seen an improvement, especially in in the last five years or so, uh, in in what's available here and and in the U.S. and in terms of MLS and in terms of young players having opportunities to play now. Because I mean, ten years ago you did it was tough it was it was tough for young players to find opportunities there was uh, the lower division the lower divisions weren't as developed in terms of opportunities uh mls teams that, that had young players that wouldn't put them on the field they also didn't have anywhere else to send them and now that's different now you know if a young player young players are getting opportunities as teenagers to get on the field but if they can't get on the field with the first team they can go down to the usl affiliate so there is a structure in place now to help those young players get the playing time they need. Um, but I think, I, I think it's great to see more and more Americans make that jump over to Europe. And, and, and there's a reason why you're seeing now a generation of young Americans that, that is developing that, that much faster because they're going in there and it's that sink or swim environment that, that just high intensity, high level of, of quality and competition that, that, European, the European setup provides, and and that's why now you have this generation of young Americans between the ages of eighteen and twenty one right now, that is for me is talent. The, the I, I mean I've been saying it for for a couple of years now. It's the most talented uh, generation for me for my money uh, that there's ever been in terms of uh, in terms of potential in terms of uh, the type of prospects that they're in there right now. Now those, those prospects actually have to develop and become first teamers and and realize that potential, but, but the quality is there, the talent's there. And, and, and part of the reason that's happened is because more and more young prospects have made that jump to go over to Europe. 
Well, again, very insightful, and I wish more people would would understand that point of view and accept that point of view. I mean, part of the challenge, I think, in this country is, you know, soccer truly is a global marketplace and the rest of the world. And, and now, you know, more and more Americans are part of that global marketplace and talent moves from team to team. And, you know, you said it a couple of minutes ago, and I couldn't have said it better. You know, if, if a player from Portugal leaves Portugal and plays in England or Italy or Spain, they don't they don't throw their arms up and and, and, and despair and say, oh my God, this guy's killing Portuguese football. Uh, they'll cheer him, and they'll know. Hopefully, one day he'll come back and, and contribute to the development of the game there as well, either as a player, a coach, or a supporter, or whatever it may be. So, those are nothing but good things. Uh, Two pieces of advice I've heard that really sunk in with me a few years ago. One, uh, a very smart person told me, we will never be, we will never dominate the game of soccer until we have an American that's considered one of the best players in the world. And and we're probably a ways from that, but you just never know, right? You never knew uh, some of these other guys, I won't mention their names, were, were going to be as great as they, as they are. So, I, I, I tend to agree with that. I tend to think we need to have someone who can light up the world stage that's from this country. And we're starting to see more and more players. So you naturally think that the odds are getting better and better that that may happen one day, or at least one of the top five or 10 players, I think would be enough. It doesn't have to be the number one player. I don't even know how you would quantify that. And second piece of advice was, you know, we're never going to win a world cup until our starting 11 all playing in champions league. And that, and that's just a fact that, you know, that competition uh, has some of the best teams, some of the best players in the world. And if we're able to seed 11, 15, 20 players into teams that are competing in that competition, we are we are a, a world force and we will give people a run for their money when we come together as a national team. So uh, I, I agree with you. I think it's just, I, I, I think it's exciting. I think it's nice to kick back and be proud that some of these kids have, have gone over there and they've made it. And I totally agree. I don't think it's a knock at all on, on domestic soccer. I think it's going to help domestic soccer immensely because when the kids start to see these kids, you know, on Netflix or on this show or that show, or they're watching them on Saturday on NBC, you know, they're going to aspire to do that. And they're going to work a little bit harder than maybe they are today and, and go forward. So uh, I appreciate the opinion. Now, now let me let me ask you about the next piece of this, which I think is also important, and that's the coaching uh, uh, migration, if you will. I, I, I see a lot of people coming to the United States from other countries to coach soccer. I don't feel, and I might be wrong, but I don't feel the same number or even close to the same number of Americans leaving to coach in, in other parts of the world. How do you, How do you see that? Well, it's definitely a different uh, a different challenge, uh, and and the first thing I point to is the, is the fact that when the, the 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 harsh reality is the the reputation of American soccer and of American coaching isn't isn't at a good level where there are going to be a ton of opportunities, right? And so it, it's not it's not the same as it as it is with young players who obviously you're, you're seeing more and more clubs. Uh, we're looking for Americans because, it, you know, they, it's easy for them to go snatch up 20 or 30 prospects anywhere around the world and, and then try to get that one or two stars out of that group. With coaching, it's a little different. There's obviously fewer opportunities. Um, and, you know, I had a chance to, to spend some time with Steve Trundolo back in November. And, and obviously, 
you know, Steve Rundle is someone who spent his career playing in Europe and, and has a, you know, a sterling reputation in Germany. And even he still as an American is going to still face some challenges, but obviously he's working his way into that to get that opportunity, but he's been there. He's put in two decades in Europe um, for American coaches to, to make the jump from here um, to go over. I mean, that's a serious leap of faith. And, and, you know, right now, obviously Jesse Marsh has kind of become a trailblazer in, in that regard. And before him, obviously Bob Bradley uh, uh, with, with, uh, with the opportunities that he took. Um, now with Jesse Marsh, it's a little bit of a unique situation because he, you know, he was able to, to become part of that Red Bull system as a coach of New York Red Bulls and, and, and make the connections and show what he could do and gain the, the, the faith and trust of, of that global network that they have. And that was his kind of way into in, into that world and he's obviously making the most of it he's, he's obviously an incredible coach and he's, he's he's uh you know he's he's blazing that trail but um that's definitely an anomaly at this point and and it's it's a it's a, it's a lot tougher for a coach right when you when you talk about a coach even a young coach quote-unquote young coach who's maybe in their late 30s or early 40s to 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 make that jump when you're talking about you have a family that has the roots here when you're a young player 17 year old player 18 year old player like what you know you you're you're ready to make that that leap you don't have the things that are kind of tying you down it's a it's a it's a much tougher challenge uh for for you know coaches or people that are in that kind of age range to kind of uproot everything and uh, on on the hope of of landing something usually the the coach right now when you look at the coaches the american coaches in europe right now you have jesse marsh um uh david wagner obviously is german-american that's a little different um and then you have the stuttgart coach uh who's uh, matarazzo who's from new jersey he's from Fairlawn, not far from where i'm from uh you know he obviously went to to europe at a young age as a player and, and and planted his roots there so he's been there for almost two decades of developing the connections and making the uh, you know making the ties that you that helped you get through that and steve trendle doesn't have a job yet but i think he will have a job but when you look at that trend marsh is kind of the exception but obviously he took the 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 red bull uh, network route to get in there so uh, that's why it's tough it's tough to 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 expect a, a wave of coaches to head the other way in terms of americans anyway um, but what you definitely do need is for those coaches that get in there um, to actually do well and and that's going to be what slowly creates hopefully creates more opportunities uh, and i know bob bradley gets you know a bunch of flack for you know his time at swansea and how it didn't go well it was a disaster whatever but look he took the opportunity and it wasn't a it wasn't a great uh it, it, it was definitely a leap of faith it wasn't a it wasn't a a, a can't lose it can't lose situation where any coach would have gone in there and, and 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 done better than he did but at least he took the opportunity now having said that once it didn't work out that that obviously was a strike against american coaches as unfair as that might be but now you have Jesse Marsh and if Marsh continues to do well if he he takes the leap to the Bundesliga which i think most people expect to happen if he goes to the Bundesliga he does well in the Bundesliga if Matarazzo you know his team gets promoted to the Bundesliga you could have two American coaches in the Bundesliga two American born and raised coaches in the Bundesliga this time next year and if they're doing well all of a sudden that is what's going to kind of change things and that's what's going to hopefully allow for more opportunities for for coaches to come over from the U.S. and younger coaches and not just people who, who've got their 20, 30 years in like Bob Bradley when he got his opportunity. So that's why you're not seeing a ton of American coaches jump 
over to Europe because there just aren't the opportunities there and clubs over there still don't see Americans that way or definitely not coaches that way. So it's going to be up to guys like Marsh and Matarazzo to kind of pay, to show that, that it's worth taking a chance on an American. You bring a lot of clarity to that issue, and it actually makes me excited to start following them now a little bit closer. Um, and I agree with you on the Jesse piece. You know, it, it might have been an opportunity for him, but it's coaching, man. If you don't win or you're not performing well uh, next, and, uh, you know, you'll be you'll be packing your bags. So I give him credit. I think he's doing a good job, and I wish him a lot of, a lot of luck and a lot of uh, goodwill. Uh, same thing with Bob. I've known Bob a long time. Uh, the thing I love about Bob is he's not afraid to take risks. He's not afraid to take criticism. He loves the game. He wants to He wants to coach at the highest level. He wants to coach the best players. And he went over and made a run at it. And it would have been easy for him to stay here and just be Bob Bradley, uh, domestic coach, and, and do whatever he wanted to do. But, you know, that's not that's not his makeup. And I really respect it. He's a tough guy. He's, he's, a, he's a great person and uh, truly, truly loves this game. So, uh, hopefully we'll see more, uh, not only in the head coaching ranks, but also in the assistant coaching ranks uh, going over and cutting their teeth and and hopefully coming back then and sharing some of the things they learned. And, uh, you know, again, we just become more and more part of this global marketplace, which is is good for everyone. Uh, Ivis, let me change gears one more time. Uh, I can uh, feel the finish line coming, but we got a few more minutes left. Uh, you're living in New York area, tri-state area. You're right in the middle of this uh, COVID virus. It's affected your business. You've seen it affect sport. Um, how fast do we come back? And what do you see as critical issues uh, in coming back? Well, obviously, we, we need to see uh, what happens with a, um, with a cure, um, with a vaccine. And, and until, until, we, until that happens, it's going to be tough to really – see kind of a finish line to 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 this whole situation because until we're back to having full stadiums and 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 and, and businesses and and and, and companies and, and the economic side of things getting recovering some of the, of all, all that's been lost until we get to that point it, it, it's 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 hard to know how long this is all going to take i mean me personally i'm a i'm a optimist and and i, and I want to say i, I want to believe that in a year, a year from now, if if knock on wood, the the, the vaccine comes through and, and and it becomes a thing where the the virus is is, is manageable and and uh, you know I'd like to think that hopefully by this time next year we're starting to kind of really get back to normal. But you know that I'm a, I'm also a realist and I, I don't see us being in the you know come the fall where where we're gonna have you know full stadiums or that sort of thing i i just don't see it and, and for that reason i've already kind of adjusted my expectations on 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 how fast things are going to come back obviously it's great that mls is gonna is gonna you know resume play and the nwsl is gonna have a tournament so it's gonna be good to see soccer in the in the u.s uh back right because it's great to watch the Bundesliga but it's also you want to see if you, you want to see things kind of stepping towards returning to normal here but the damage has obviously been done right it, it, and it and it continues to be done and what's scary and unfortunate is the fact that that the the the, the structure here was was vulnerable and, and obviously it's taken a hit now and when you look especially lower divisions the the USL um wasn't ready for this kind of situation and now you want to see how 
how, like you know when the dust settles just what's left and how how, how that get that gets rebuilt and um it, it's sad because obviously the things were heading in a good direction um you know for me um the too many people ignore how important the lower divisions are um and for me i mean i've said it uh, i've said it a while i like i i everything that happened with NASL and NASL going going by the wayside, it, it, people don't realize that, that it's left a void there. And then with USL getting hit with this pandemic, more maybe more than almost any other league in terms of being able not being able to recover, I'm curious to see what happens now um, because the, I think the soccer in this country needs those lower divisions to, to kind of continue to build the sport in – outside of the major markets because it's all well and good for there to be, you know, two LA teams and, and Chicago and New York, two teams, but there's so many, there's so many markets and there's so many soccer fans in this country that you need those lower divisions to help continue to kind of cultivate that. Uh, without a doubt. I mean, that's the one lesson, uh, 10 years in Europe that I lived one lesson that, you know, they pounded into my head until I finally, I finally submitted was until every, every neighborhood, every town, is connected to the game, you know, you're going to have a hard time really dominating it. And I think that's one of the missing pieces and it's, it's coming. There's a lot of people putting a lot of effort. There's a lot of people putting a lot of money into it. Uh, I salute them. I think it's great. Um, but we got to keep going. And if this affects that, it's going to set the game back. I totally agree with you. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I was around in 9-11 in the public assembly business, sports business, and, uh, you know, we all thought the sky was falling then, and we worked through it. But this is, a, this is, a, this is different. This is much more than doing bag checks and, uh, and, and wanding people at the gate. It's going to be uh, very interesting, the decisions that have to be made by leagues, by teams, of how they protect uh, the fans first, how they protect their workers, how they protect their players. And you know what happens? I was. What happens if four or five people on an MLS team come down with this uh, over you know a course of a week or something? What do you think they're going to do? They're going to just just have to live with that, or the, is it going to affect the season? I mean, have you thought of that one? Is it, or am I just way out here on a limb? Uh, yeah, that's a. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you're already starting to see some reports. Um, I mean, there have been a, a couple of players. Well, at least I, I know of the Philadelphia Union striker that 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 came forward saying he did he had that he uh, had the uh, COVID nineteen and uh, a, a more recent report of an FC Dallas player. I mean, that's just reality. You're going to have that situation. I mean, that's happening in Europe. I mean, Paulo Dybala and a few other uh, Juventus players, and obviously the NBA dealt with that with with, with a with a, a handful of players. So yeah, that's something that that you're going to have to deal with. But um, just in terms of how yeah, I'm curious how how this whole tournament in Orlando situation goes down, and and uh, I'm not a fan of it to be honest. But I get it. I get it. I get why MLS just needs to get back into playing. Um, and as big as this country is, it's a different proposition than than what Germany has to deal with in terms of playing behind closed doors. I mean, I get it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm with you. Hoping hoping that nothing crazy happens and we don't have a, an, an ugly situation. Um, if there's if there's anything kind of comforting or at least hopefully encouraging is the idea that when generally so far we've seen athletes most athletes have been asymptomatic that have gotten it so knock on wood we don't we don't have a situation where where a a top athlete comes down with it and actually it and it really like devastates um so far we've seen even coaches i mean brendan rogers uh, had it and he recovered and and so hopefully that 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 continues to be the case where 
you know, knock on wood, hopefully none of the players get it. But if they do, uh, they're very symptomatic. They can handle it. <clears throat> but, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't think we're going to see no, a return to what we had in February. I don't think we're going to see that for at least a year, at least a year. So that that's uh, – I think people need to start accepting that. And I know there are parts of the country that haven't, haven't – or they're – living in a different reality right and you're down in florida i know people in florida i have family in florida and and i know the the perception down in florida and in other parts of the country is different that it's not as as crazy as it is or it's not as serious as it is and obviously here i am i'm in new jersey i'm in north jersey i'm, I'm right by new york city and this is kind of ground zero for everything. And, and so maybe because of that, I've, I've had a, a chance to, or I've spent way more time looking at how, how devastating this whole thing is. And I think people need to realize that, that, that until that's back to normal everywhere, uh, we can't really start thinking about American soccer and MLS and everything uh, getting back to normal. I think we're, we're, we're a year away from that. Yeah. that's just my my opinion no definitely major challenges and i think they will look at you know the tri-state area and 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 los angeles and seattle and other areas that were hit hard uh and use the worst case scenarios to sort of find some guidance but it's going to be at least a year until uh they can work through all these issues and there's going to be some starts and stops and some ups and downs and it's going to be some interesting times for sure so um, look, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your insight. I, I want to ask you two quick ones here before we leave. If this was December 2019, uh, and I ask you, what do you think uh, needs to happen at MLS to take it to the next level? In, in what would your short answer be? So before all this, before everything happened, what what, what I have said. Um. That's a good question. Um, what, what what MLS needs to do? Well, I mean, I, I what I would say is is I, well now that it's kind of there's all this talk about about merging with Liga Mekis and, and the relationship with Liga Mekis. I, I, one thing I would say is I feel like MLS needs to focus on on the U.S. and and the U.S. market and working focusing more on the markets here and 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 and. When I when I hear about first of all, I don't think we're ever going to see MLS and Liga Mekis merge. I think that's a pipe dream. That's crazy. It's just not realistic. It's never. I personally don't think ever would happen. Right. Number one. But number two, I just think as as as, as good as it is for there to be a relationship between Liga Mekis and MLS and 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 them to do different things like Campeones Cup and and you know the All Star Game. That's all good. That's all well and good. But I really feel like MLS <clears throat> can do more and should do more to work with the lower divisions and, and, and obviously you have affiliates. Now you have more and more MLS teams with affiliates in USL. And, and I get that. That's, that's, that's part of the process, but I, I feel like MLS should be working more towards cultivating the, 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 the game here. And, and obviously they're doing their part, but I don't know. I, I don't want to say it gets me upset or makes me angry, but I just feel like it's a little short-sighted or it's a little misguided to, 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 put too much energy towards hey let's let, let let's you know march into into the markets in mexico and let's 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 try to work with mexico when there's still so much to be done here and that's even more the case now with everything that's happened now and the devastation um of the uh, you know the, the pandemic here and everything that's gone on and how it's going to hurt the lower divisions here uh the game here needs a lot of help and uh, mls for me mls should be focusing most most if not all of its attention to that and not expanding beyond into other into other countries that already have leagues and already have their 
you know, they're fine. Liga Mekis is fine on its own. They don't need they don't need a MLS. So I don't know. For me, that that's something that I'd like to right. see. I'd like to see MLS focus more on the. On well, the, we're going to come back. That's probably worth uh, an entire episode, and we can go back uh, a long way and talk about that. But we do wish uh, MLS a lot of success and everyone else uh, success and and getting through these times and moving forward. So. Uh, Ivis, leave us with something. Leave our fans with something uh, from from your world and maybe your past that uh, they wouldn't know that uh, might bring them a little <clears throat> bit of humor or something to think about that uh, you've experienced that, they, 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 like I said earlier, they just wouldn't know that it, it occurred. Well, it, it's interesting when, when you met, when you mentioned that to kind of think of a story. <clears throat> uh, the one story that kind of comes to mind to me is I feel like the first time you and I met, was at soccer bowl in Atlanta. Uh, I want to say in person, I feel like that's the first time we met when uh, the cosmos played Atlanta. Uh, and I want, I'm trying to remember what year that was exactly, but it was definitely the first cosmos title recently in there in the modern, <clears throat> in the modern era. And the reason that whole, that trip, and actually I took the trip, uh, you know, myself and I, you know, I went down there and I, and I thought it was a, I, th- I felt like it was something that, that, that was worth being at. Uh, down in Atlanta, Silverbacks Cosmos uh, in the Soccer Bowl final, and uh, just remembering that that final was you know it was a nice atmosphere, a small crowd. Uh, you know, everyone thinks about Atlanta now, and Atlanta United and seventy thousand fans and everything. And thinking back to that um, that night, and, and and I thought it was a cool night, and it, it was great to see the kind of the Cosmos lift the trophy and and, and rekindling that that uh that that organization and that name and and um just that that day kind of stood out as as for me an example of of that you could feel that there was some passion there for the sport even though it wasn't seventy thousand people there there was definitely some passion for the sport in that city um and anyone who you know anyone who was there that day if you had told them hey if you put a team here an mls team here you'll get seventy thousand in in the dome and most people might not, they would have thought you were crazy, right? So for me, I, when I look back on that, I think, you know, there, there's so many markets and there's so many, uh, there's so much potential in this country that hasn't been tapped into yet in terms of American soccer and in terms of the fans and the followings. And, uh, for that reason, again, I, I'm, I'm kind of a, a big believer in, 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 in cultivating that and cultivating those lower divisions. And, and that, that whole trip really was an eye-opener, and, I, and I'm so glad I took it. Uh, and just to kind of little, give a little side note to that whole story was was funny, and I'll never forget, is the fact that no one from the Cosmos, I guess, realized that, I guess, they don't sell alcohol in Atlanta uh, after a certain hour. And <laughs> so, obviously, the Cosmos wanted to celebrate their their championship as, as, as anyone would. And, and they couldn't find alcohol. They couldn't. They, 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 were, they, they went all over town and. And obviously, I knew some of the Cosmos, uh, some of the Cosmos players and, and 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 folks in their organization. So I ended up just kind of hanging out with them that night, and and it was just funny, just the search for <laughs> the search for for some alcohol to celebrate with, and uh, it, it, that that was just it was just a funny night and a great night, you know, seeing uh, Marco Senna, uh, you know, kind of partying at at the hotel and blast listening to his music in the in the hotel lobby and. Uh, you know, it, it was just it was just kind of a great experience just just seeing that and and 
you know, kind of wrap it to bring it all back around. I just, I saw that night some so many things that that, that showed me like there, there there there's so much potential in this country, and and here we are six seven years later, and obviously Atlanta is an established soccer hotbed, and it's blown up as a as a soccer market, and I just feel like there's so many markets in this country that that we don't even know about yet that could be like that, that could be that successful, and 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 hopefully. Um, hopefully they have that opportunity to, to be discovered and to, and to be, you know, cultivated. And, and that's why for me, I can't wait till things get rebuilt and back to normal and we get USL reestablished and, 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 and hopefully we get a, a, a good second division. Um, I mean, NASL, I, I feel like it was a big hit when I, when NASL went away for a variety of reasons, uh, not least of which the salary issue when, when you're talking about second tier players and, all of a sudden you go from if you're not in MLS, you you can't make a living. And that's a whole I know that's a whole nother episode for you. But um for me that that trip was an eye opener and, and it showed me potential the potential of soccer in this country. So it was uh it was it was a great night for soccer, a great night for Atlanta soccer, I think. Uh the two things that, that I really recall from that night and I mean we spend days getting ready for this and working all day in meetings, everything else, but uh the Cosmos bus pulls in and somebody calls me and says they're throwing rocks at it and trying to set it on fire. And I says, anybody hurt? No. Well, okay, that sounds like there's a lot of passion out there. Then you know, <laughs> get them in the stadium. Let's go. And uh, it was, it was, you know, it's not sixty thousand people, but the crowd was rocking, and uh, Senate comes through for them, right? So it was, uh, it was, it was, it was a nice night, and. Um, you know, we really enjoyed it and uh, enjoyed everybody in Atlanta helping us there. So, uh, you know, I am way over my time here. Uh, Ivis, I appreciate your time. That's for sure. Our viewers, our listeners are going to appreciate your time. And uh, we hope to have you back sometime. But good luck with everything and, and getting stuff ramped back up and ICC and all the things at SBI and all the other uh, abbreviations we uh you got great insight, great clarity, and this was a lot of fun, and we appreciate it. So thank you very much. Hey, anytime, anytime, and I uh, definitely appreciate you having me on. Excellent. Y'all take care.